Welcome to a very special mini episode of Splendid Chaps, featuring interviews recorded at the 2013 Brisbane Writers Festival. Our first Splendid Chap is freelance science journalist, broadcaster, and author Bianca Nogrady. We're here at the Brisbane Writers Festival, sitting out on the lovely balcony outside the green room at the Brisbane Writers Festival, and I'm speaking with Bianca Nogrady. Hi, Bianca. Hello. You are a big Doctor Who fan. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, although I'm, I'm more of the, the new Doctor Who as opposed to the old Doctor Who. I'm a, I'm a relative newcomer. That's quite all right. As we always say at Splendid Chaps, there's no wrong way to be a Doctor <laughs> Who fan. So tell me how you got into the show. Well, I blame my husband, actually. Um, he started uh, introducing it to me, obviously, just as the new series came out with the actor Christopher Eccleston. And I was absolutely hooked and have, you know, waited avidly for each new series to come out. And, you know, obviously my heart was broken when Christopher Eccleston went and then it was broken when David Tennant went and now it's going to get broken when Matt Smith goes. And I love that, you know, they regularly kill me by changing this person who I've come to know and love. And then they give you someone new that you come to love again. I know, I fall in love with all over again. And what was it about the show that really grabbed you, do you think? It's actually kind of hard to say. I love, I mean, I love the imagination behind it as well and, and, you know, their rollicking adventures. They really are fun. But there's also the humanity in them as well. I mean, the... the one with Rose trying to watching her father die and then choosing to run and rescue him. I mean, it just it's so poignant, and it's one of those. And this is what I love about science fiction in general. It gets you gives you the opportunity to explore those kind of situations to create scenarios that would never happen in real life, and you have the opportunity to explore well, what would you do if you had the opportunity to stop your father from dying prematurely, and how would that affect what then happens? So it's it's such diversity, and the monsters are all terrifying, and the but also the goodies can be terrifying as well. Now, we mentioned that you enjoy the science fiction aspects of the show. On one of our recent episodes, we talked about the science in Doctor Who and determined that certainly in the modern Doctor Who, there's probably not a lot of it. And your background is a science writer. So how do you find the science fiction of Doctor Who? Do you think it's more of a fantasy or more of a science fiction show? There's some of it that is, is very fantasy, but then there are others like when they go to the very end of time and watch the earth exploding and, you know, and there's Cassandra there with her skin stretched in a screen. And I really like that idea. And, I, you know, it is conceivable. I mean, obviously, at some point in time, the earth will explode or be consumed by the sun. But even just Cassandra being this face on a screen who needs moisturising, you know, there are episodes like that I kind of think, well, yeah, that is that is possible. But then, obviously, other episodes I... I, I you require a little bit more suspension of disbelief and I set aside my science writer hat and just go, I'm just going to ignore all of that, I'm just going to have fun with this. You're going to get another new Doctor towards the end of the year. Are you excited or are you, are you just preparing for the heartbreak of Matt Smith going? <laughs> oh, well, obviously Matt Smith departing would be sad and I, and I don't know a lot about Peter Capaldi, whereas obviously other people know a lot more about him his previous incarnations. I'm really excited about seeing River Song again because I'm presuming we're going to see more of her. I don't know. I don't know. I th- felt, Is she gone? It felt to me very much like that last oh. outing with her was her last hurrah. Oh. And he, that's why he said goodbye properly. That's how it felt to me anyway. Oh, well, maybe I might have to rethink that. But um, look, it will be exciting because obviously I'm, there will be things that I will miss about the previous series. And, but I'm hoping that they're going to introduce new things that I can get equally you know, emotionally involved in and obsess about and you know, look up pictures about and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I am I'm excited. I, I really enjoy the stories and, and it's one of those things that when it comes on TV, it's really nice to know that once a week that there's going to be something fun to watch on TV and rather than you know, being faced with the other drivel that's on there 90% of the time. Yeah. 
And it sounds like you really engage with the fan aspect of the show. Like you get involved online and read stuff and look up photos. Not as much as it sounds. It's more just, yeah. you know, I, I'm... Okay, my husband's listening. Don't listen to this. Looking up pictures of David Tennant. But <laughs> That's all right. I think everybody's Sorry, guilty honey. of that once in a while. He's oh, a very pretty man. He is a very... But also, I guess, because, you know, um, Rupert's song has kind of inspired a character that, that I'm currently writing in. So it's, you know, I, I guess I like kind of following some of that just to see, you know, looking online and getting getting impressions, more impressions of her and wondering where that's going to go. So yeah, we'll see, see what happens. So River Song is obviously an influence on your writing. Very much. Because you're working on a work of science fiction, your first science I fiction am. novel. I am, Is that influenced by Doctor Who in other ways? I like the idea of, of a companion, I mean, but I think that's a common theme in, in a lot of sort of, maybe certainly in fantasy, that idea that, you know, you have your your kind of protagonist but then there's always this, the sidekick who you know often ends up being the one that actually saves the day as opposed to the, the main protagonist and you know we see that a lot in Doctor Who and, and so I guess there are echoes of that in, in what I write but I just I love River Song as a character I just thought she she was a little morally ambiguous but at the same time just wonderfully sexy wonderfully sassy totally capable and courageous and a little bit dark around the edges. So she was a really interesting character. And so, yeah, I've definitely taken a lot of inspiration from watching her. Thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you. You can find Bianca online at biancanograde.com and on Twitter as Bianca Nograde. Next, I spoke with Damon Cavalcini, a writer and advocate for speculative fiction who has worked with both the Aurealis Awards and as president of Specfic Writers' Organisation, Fantastic Queensland. How did you get into the show? I got in via my father. Um, I remember my first doctor was Tom Baker. We were at the kitchen table and it was one of the Dalek episodes. Basically, Dad decided that he had to watch it, so the kids, for a very special occasion, got to watch Doctor Who on TV at dinner. And it sort of went from there. And so we watched with Dad, and now I've had the lucky experience of doing the same thing with my son when the new series has started. And it's amazing to me to be able to watch it through a child's eyes again you know I I can look at it with the writer's criticisms and all that and then you look at it from a younger person's eyes and the enjoyment and the fun they don't care if there's a plot hole that they don't care if there's you know something that's a little bit cheesy they're just enjoying the show and it reminds me that I loved it there's nothing else like it on tv why do you think that is what is it about the show that attracts you to it I think the very concept behind it allows it to do anything, go anywhere. You know, the idea that the lead actor can change without meaning you have to reboot the series or introduce new characters. The fact that you do have such a breadth of ideas, and I know that people sort of think that oh, these days it's all the same, but you know, you even look at a standard series these days, you still get a historical, you get a science fiction, you'll get one set contemporary times, you'll get something that's a little bit different and out there because they are self-contained stories. Now, Doctor Who is an influence on you as a writer as well. Yes, uh, the very first thing I ever had published was actually a Doctor Who short in one of the fanzines more years ago than I'd care to name. And that's what really got me writing. Like, I'd, I'd always liked the idea of writing, but I'd never thought of subbing anything. And then back when they did the very first Perfect Timing book, I was chatting to somebody and they said, oh, I should put something in. And I did, and it got accepted. And then I did a couple of other fan scenes, etc., and went on and started writing my own short stories. And then you branch out into novels, and it sort of breaks from there. But the sheer breadth of storytelling in Doctor Who is what inspired me to write I love the sense of hope in the show. I think 
Doctor Who's family element means that for all the drama, for all the scares, it is actually a show that is about hope and the good sides of people. At the end of the day, it's about a guy who doesn't really like guns, who comes up with intellectual solutions to problems, who can go anywhere, and normally the companions and everybody else actually enjoy the trip with him. It's a show about fun. It's a fun ride, you know? I I will sit down on those days when I'm looking for something to watch just to turn off my brain, and I'll sometimes watch a Doctor Who. Before the show came back, I had my DVD collection. Nobody else in my family would watch it. Now the show's come back. Yeah, my son wants to watch a Hartnell DVD because he's fascinated by the old black and white stories, and he'll comment that they're slow, they're clunky, that they're, you know, the effects are bad. But he loves the first Doctor. Yeah, he thinks William Hartnell is great. He loves the tetchy old man, and you know, to be able to share that is just like a, a fantastic feeling. And so for him, it's the same show. He doesn't see a distinction between you know new and old Who, apart from the sort of stylistic differences that you just yeah, talked about. He, he knows the he knows intellectually it's different. You compare Hartnell to even Troughton to Pertwee to Baker. They, they're all different. They've all got their different storytelling. There, there's something different about all of them. And even within Tom Baker's era, there's different types of style of story. There's all the stuff they do with the fables and all of when they were doing their myth run. Then you get the more science fiction run near the end. It's just got so much scope. There is a story in Doctor Who for everyone. Yeah. I, I love the world, I love the character, I love the idea of the police box. I mean, the, so many things went right when they were setting it up. The concepts behind it just work. Do you have a favourite Doctor? I actually really liked Colin Baker. I, I thought Colin Baker, as an actor, had a lot of potential and was really hamstrung by the writing of his era. I, and I think particularly the Big Finish stuff that we've seen in recent years as well has really shown that Colin had an opportunity to be one of the best Doctors. I've I've admired the way he actually handled everything that went on with his era. In terms of writing, I mean, I I had a soft spot for Tom Baker because he was my first Doctor. I liked the end of the McCoy era. I liked the last few episodes of the McCoy era. I mean, I still like Russell T Davies. There was a sense of heart to the show that really was right for the time. There was a sense of adventure and a sense of just exploration and almost the fact they didn't know what they were going to be allowed to do. So it's, it's had a play on my life, and it's had an impact on how I write and what I do. You know, I'm now in sort of the, the medical communications field, and I wouldn't have gone into a lot of that science and that angle without having Doctor Who inspiring me to actually think and ask questions. It's interesting that it's a show that by turns does give you that kind of switch off your brain, enjoy a bit of mindless adventure, running down corridors and being shot at by things. And also has that element where it says, but the world around you is bigger than you know and you should ask questions about it and explore it. Doctor Who seems to be quite happy to ask you the questions and not tell you the answer and let you find it out for yourself. But in a secure and safe place. Now you've uh, you said that it's influenced some of your writing and you've got some, a new book that you're working on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yep, I actually have a book coming out probably end of October. It's a kind of steampunk Sherlock Holmes and it features a time-travelling Moriarty. You can't imagine where time travel crept into the series from. The idea is what happens if Moriarty had a plan. So he goes back in time and he's got a plan. And so we're retelling the original Sherlock Holmes novels. The first book's actually by David McKinty, who is well-known to Doctor Who fans. Of course. And then you've got uh, Mike Chin, who's a well-known British fantasy and horror writer, doing book two. I've got book three. And Jonathan Green is doing book four, which is the Baskerville story. It's been really an interesting experience trying to tell a Sherlock Holmes story as Conan Doyle would have told it, but with airships and 
you know, chases across the, the skyline of the London and, you know, motor cars and mm. a different world, but a world that feels correctly and truly Sherlock Holmes. It's an exciting time for me. Everybody loves having a novel published with their name on it that you can look at the cover and say, hey, that's me. And I wouldn't have got there if I hadn't been inspired to write many, many years ago. Enjoy the festival. It's great to actually see a festival where genre is embraced. Yeah. yeah I'm going to a media tie-in panel at a writer's festival. You asked me that five years ago, and... I would never have thought it would have happened. It is absolutely great to see how the stuff I like to write, the stuff I like to read, is being acknowledged. You can find out more about Damon at damoncraft.com.au or about his upcoming book by his publisher at fringeworks.co.uk. Our third splendid chap is engineer, author and founder of Youth Without Borders, Yasmin Abdel-Majid. Tell me how you got into the show. To be honest, I am a generational Doctor Who fan. My dad, um, even though he's you know was brought up in Sudan, he spent four years studying uh, mechanical uh, electrical engineering in the UK. Uh, he did a PhD, and he fell in love with Doctor Who there. I think in the late seventies, and ever since I was a kid, we sort of grew up with this mythical idea of Doctor Who and and his awesome adventures and the idea of a Time Lord. And when David Tennant and sort of came out with the new series and the modern revival we just couldn't get enough of it really fulfilled all our fantasies David Tennant was my first doctor wasn't he a great doctor though really as awesome as Matt Smith is and as awesome as season 8 is going to be I I think David Tennant's always going to have a special place in my heart yeah and good old Donna yeah so Donna Donna's your favourite yeah oh definitely I love the fact that she just gave it to the doctor no matter you know what she thought or she was the feistiest awesomest in my eyes and yeah the fact that she was a redhead was just it extra <laughs> bit of icing on the cake there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I was a big fan of yeah. so <laughs> As you would be. <laughs> Oddly enough, it seems to be that this divide that people who haven't seen Catherine Tate before are sort of amazed by Donna, just like, how great is she? And then other people who'd seen her comedy show oh, yeah, yeah. went, I can't believe that she's on Doctor Who, and they were a bit anti. It, actually, I'd never actually seen the, um, the Catherine Tate stuff before, but once I started watching it, I just thought it, I thought it was hilarious. It was just so much of the Donna sort of personality, that feistiness, that you know, I'm a bothered kind of <laughs> kind of attitude. And there are definitely two strong camps, but there was no one else quite like Donna. I think no one else quite like Catherine Tate, and she kept him honest. You know, she, no no matter no matter how awesome he was or how fancy a time lord he thought he was, she told him. How, and and she also, I think brought a bit of that compassion into the question you know she always sort of pushed him a little extra to to do the more honorable thing which is something and you know that's more bias if she didn't end up falling in love with him a lot of the companions in the new series have had that kind of relationship particularly rose yeah i mean a small part of you thinks everyone loves a bit of a, a romantic story but it just seemed a bit, and, and it sort of goes to the feminist in me that says, well, why does the companion always have to be the damsel in distress that sort of needs the doctor to be a saviour, whether that's physically save her or, you know, save her mentally or whatever it is. Emotionally. Yeah, emotionally, I think. Whenever whenever you get to that conclusion, it's a case of, oh, well, that's lovely, but also, you know, get a, get a hold of yourself, lady. You know? <laughs> Can't you enjoy the adventure without having to fall in love? One of the cool things about Donna was that she was able to withstand the doctor's charms, which, again, to be honest we would all probably fall for but still you know (laughs) yeah yeah one of the guests on Splendid Chats I think it was Narelle Harris 
said that, you know, come on, if this guy could, had it turned up with this box, he could take you anywhere in yeah, yeah. space on these amazing adventures, <laughs> and he was a bit hot, wouldn't we all fall Yeah, that's exactly I'm right. Sure. I mean, if David Tennant had rocked up in front of my house and said, where would you like to go? I'd be like, take me anywhere. But, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You're less of a fan of Matt Smith, though. Um, look, I think Matt Smith definitely, you know, he's he's had his critics and his, you know, and his lovers, and I enjoyed Stephen Moffat as the the writer for for those episodes, but I think he was just a bit of a different Doctor. And to be honest, you know, he was he was that hipster, he was that fish fingers and custard type, and I think that really sums him up. But it was nice to see the Doctor or the, the series take a bit of a different angle. David Tennant had a bit of that all boyish charm or whatever, as opposed to the bow tie and tweed jacket that. And maybe it was the age that I was when I started watching David Tennant as well. But I think Matt Smith did a brilliant job. It's a shame that that he's leaving, but also, I mean, the 12th Doctor's pretty exciting. I'm just thinking of the thick of it, you know, Malcolm from the thick of it. Yeah, it'd be great if he just comes out of the town and showers a bunch of dust. A lot of people have made those jokes on the internet. There's so many good versions of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. And have you gone back and watched any of the previous, like even Christopher Eccleston? Um, I have. It's it's amazing how they've been able to keep the spirit of the Doctor throughout. Whenever it comes on, on whether it's the ABC or or any other channel, when they're doing repeats of the old series, and we always sit down as a family. Mine is my mum who just doesn't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. She's a Star Trek fan. Yeah, so yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, we sit down and we just sort of enjoy it. And it's one of the few series where it's sort of just good, wholesome sci-fi fun, you know what I mean? Like, it's really entertaining and there's always an adventure and there's always a journey that it takes you on. The villains are just so villainy. Because they're robots, you know, you don't have to deal with the emotions of the villains and that sort of thing. It's, it's a Dalek, it's a Dalek. And even the non-robots, they have this real idea of what evil is. Exactly. And the bad yeah. guys are evil. <laughs> you know, they're irredeemable. There's nothing you do. Yeah, although sometimes, you know, in more recent episodes, they've tried, I think, to really give the villains more yeah, of a motivation. Com- yeah, and a bit of complexity, which has been interesting. And I think the other thing that the Doctor does is tackle issues that deal with, say, how we look at the environment or how we treat others or societies finding a place in, in their world and putting that in, in a fun, joyful format. But sort of presenting that in a way that makes you think I mean every series has an end of the world type scenario that always ends up being fine but we're so important us earthlings you know yeah. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things the number of times we've been had to be saved you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's like oh, let's go to all time and space but mostly London <laughs> yeah. mostly London he just has a soft spot for London I think yeah. yeah what do you hope for the future of Doctor Who I hope that we sort of see that old spirit of, of joy and fun and, and a bit of smart arseness sort of come through, but also maybe look at tackling some of the, the new issues of our times and, you know, look at how maybe Earth deals with new technology as part of our lives. And, I mean, that has been sort of looked at in recent episodes, but also, I suppose, your classic episodes like Blink and, and those sort of things just play on these primal fears and, and sort of bring that into our everyday life, I think. Yeah, really good writing. I mean, there's been some good writing, but I, um, I just hope that it just remains that way and, and challenges us and makes us think and, and takes us on a journey every time. Has Doctor Who been an influence on your interest in becoming an engineer? You know, funnily enough, he's an, an amazing problem solver. And as an engineer, I think of myself as someone who solves problems. That's what we do. We look at a problem and we design a solution. And I think one of the cool things about Doctor Who is that he's almost an engineer in everyday life. He sort of looks at things and, you know, shakes a screwdriver or whatever and, and it ends 
ends up being fixed and maybe he's just an awesome time lord of an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for speaking to us. No it's worries. Been a pleasure. Thank you, Ben. It's been awesome. You can find Yasmin on Twitter at Yasmin underscore A, that's Yasmin with two S's, or check out her blog at redefiningthenarrative.com.au. For more information about Youth Without Borders, visit youthwithoutborders.com.au. For our final interview, in the closing hours of the festival, I managed to snag some time with the festival's director, the very splendid Kate Eltham. Very close to the end of the Brisbane Writers Festival 2013, which has been a fabulous experience, and I'm finally getting to sit down here with Kate Eltham, director of the festival. Hello, Kate. Hello, Ben. And you like Doctor Who? I do like Doctor Who, yes. You were hoping to get a Doctor Who writer out for the festival. Well, I, I was because, it's the as you know, it's the 50th anniversary, hence your podcast. And, you know, I really wanted to have our audiences get to engage with a Doctor Who writer and talk through the history and the mythology of Doctor Who and the experience of writing a Doctor Who episode and what it's like to work with some of the showrunners that have been involved with Doctor Who. I thought that would be a pretty special thing to do but it's actually pretty hard to nail them down and get them to come out to Australia most of them are pretty busy so we weren't able to make it happen this year but maybe a next next festival well they did sneak in Sean Williams who has a <laughs> that's true. story of which he is tremendously proud that's and true so. that's true and you probably don't know this but on Wednesday we had a digital keynote from Naomi Alderman who's a UK author who's also written for Doctor Who so you know we got a little bit of, of Doctor Who in there so how did you get into Doctor Who uh, when I was a kid. Uh, my dad loves Doctor Who. And uh, when he came home from work every day, he wanted to watch uh, Doctor Who, followed by Peter Russell Clark, followed by the ABC News. That was our evening every day. I was a child of the Tom Baker era, and I learnt to almost, not fear, but I used to get quite spooked out by the theme music because there were some really... There were some pretty scary things. You know, for a kid, there were some pretty scary things on in the in the Tom Baker Doctor Who. I, I actually credit Doctor Who with my fear of spiders. Fair enough. I think that, that episode where Romana has that sort of robot spider creature oh, on the yeah. side of her face at the end of that episode, and I was, I was like, oh, my God, you know, and it gave me nightmares. I still have nightmares about spiders attaching themselves to the side of my face so and I think it's from Doctor Who. How are you enjoying the new series? Not not I don't mean necessarily the most recent one but since the revival. Uh, look I've had a really good time re-engaging with Doctor Who with the new series. It started strong I think. I really liked Eccleston. I loved Eccleston. I thought he was a great doctor. He wasn't too fluffy you know he was properly nasty sometimes. One of the criticisms I had about Tennant was that it, you know it sort of strayed into a very kind of schmaltzy sort of you know sort of thing after a while and I wasn't really quite digging that I think that you know the doctor's what like he's like 900 years old or something right so he should be kind of terrible you know the way I think Gandalf is kind of terrible he's and he's yeah cranky. well he's cranky but he's also he, he should be a little bit scary he should be a little bit selfish he should be a bit mad he should be all of those things and if that's not coming through in the way that he's being written and performed then I think you're only you've only got half a doctor so I really I really liked Eccleston 
I didn't mind Tennant, I thought he was great and he certainly brought a lot of kids into Doctor Who, that, that sort of partnership between Davies and Tennant I think was really successful from an audience standpoint. I'm having a bit of a love-hate relationship since then because I love Matt Smith as the Doctor, I love him but I have been a bit disappointed with Moffat and I think it's because I was spoilt for Moffat when I was a teenager, the Press Gang was a, was a show on the ABC and I loved it, I was absolutely captivated by the dialogue and the, the fighting between Spike and Linda and all the sort of different characters that they had and the, and the non-linear storylines and the way he would do interesting things with the episodes of, of Press Gang and I had really high expectations for him taking over as showrunner of Doctor Who and I just, I don't think he quite nailed it, I think he was a little bit in love with his own cleverness and he was so busy being clever and twisty and turny that he just forgot to tell a really good story and so some of that was lost a little bit along the way. But there were standout individual episodes for sure and I thought that as a partnership that the Doctor and Rory and Amy were just were great, were really great. The, the three of them together were interesting to me. What are your hopes for the future of Doctor Who? I really like um, Capaldi as a casting choice for the new Doctor, but I have to say I am in the camp of people who is a little bit disappointed not to have a, a female Doctor yet. We've had the Doctor for, for, for decades and decades and we haven't explored that yet. I don't know what that says about us, um, that we haven't, we haven't actually gone there. I want to have that conversation. I want I want the audiences of Doctor Who to engage with the idea of a female Doctor and what does that mean for the canon and what does that mean for the types of stories you might tell. All of those kinds of things would be interesting to me. So for the future, I really want to see a female Doctor. But I also do think it was good that they went to a slightly older Doctor, well, quite much older Doctor for this new, for this new regeneration because... I, I really got the feeling that we were going to end up with a 12-year-old at some point, you know, just getting younger and younger and younger, and, and I wasn't sure if that was a deliberate thing by the BBC to get the, the family audience in, I don't know. But he is, I mean, you know, the thick of it and, uh, and in the loop, and if he brings a little bit of that bastardry to the Doctor, I think that's going to be fun. We don't know yet who's going to take over from Moffat, do we? And he must be pretty exhausted too, I think, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big job to do that, and to do Sherlock at the same time, and I'm really hanging out. <laughs> that's the other thing about Stephen Moffat that's disappointed me is his track record writing about women and writing with women you know he hasn't if you I actually crunched the numbers not long ago I actually went through and looked at the representation of women writers in Doctor Who over the last few years and his numbers are pretty abysmal I have to say there's only one woman yeah. maybe two it's either one or two women only yeah yeah, and that's that's really disappointing. It's not like we don't have great women writers who can do that. And I think that's lazy. I do I do think that's quite lazy. Especially um, when they've had women writing Torchwood and Sarah Jane. Absolutely. So there's clearly women writers and, out there. Who... And other fantastic television as well, yeah. you know. Jane Espenson, I'd love to see what she would do with a Doctor Who episode, for example. Amazing. That would be great. Marty Noxon. You know, there's heaps of great writers that could do stuff. I think what Doctor Who gave me as a writer was a love for weirdness. You know, I'm a, I'm a speculative fiction genre kid, definitely. You know, science fiction people are my people in the sense that I've, I love hanging out in this genre and exploring weird stories of the other and of alienation and, you know, big stories about identity that, that tend to be at the heart of speculative fiction. Then, yeah, I suppose Doctor Who's influenced that. When I was a kid, I lived next door to this guy who had been collecting 
science fiction, pulp science fiction from sort of the 60s, 70s and 80s, you know, that w- which was a real a sort of second golden age of science fiction. And so he had built, he had this basement room and he'd built bookshelves out of like planks of wood and besser blocks and the entire room was just filled floor to ceiling with you know like Silverberg and Heinlein and Greg Bear and you know Ben Bova and you know like all these like giants of, of that era of science fiction and I kind of worked my way through them as a kid and so there's really I think there's science fiction writers that I love that give me the same satisfaction that Doctor Who stories do and I and I suspect that Doctor Who writers have been influenced by you know writers like Bester for example I think Alfred Bester would be if you like Doctor Who there's probably a lot there that you might like certainly Arthur C. Clarke I think Arthur C. Clarke was potentially a robot but he wrote he had a he had a pretty powerful imagination and Kim Stanley Robinson and those sorts of writers um, definitely thanks so much to Kate Yasmin, Damon and Bianca. You can find out more about the festival and its year-round program of events at bwf.org.au, on Twitter as Briz Writers Fest, and they're also active on Facebook. Thanks, Brisbane. I had an amazing time. If only I'd managed to interview Matt Fraction. Speaking of recording splendid chaps outside of Melbourne, we'd love to do a show up in Sydney, and we have a crowdfunding campaign running on Possible to make it... uh... possible. Visit possible.com slash splendidchaps to find out more and to buy a ticket to the show and help us reach our goal by noon on November 2nd, 2013. And until next time, thank you, it's good, keep warm. Not that that'll be hard in Australia in November. <laughs>